This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn featuring Jeff Tate. Of course, Jeff has a new project out called Sweet Oblivion. It is a sort of I don't want to, not really a super group, but it, it is a group put together by uh, Frontiers featuring some uh, Italian musicians. And Jeff sort of came in and sort of sang uh, over the tracks that were provided to him. So it, it is an interesting. Now, if you listen to Sweet Oblivion, it does harken back to sort of the 1984, 1985 Queensryche sound, which many of us love and enjoy. Um, we also talk about his time with Avantasia. He was on their last album, Moonglow, but also on tour. And I happened to see the tour in Montreal. And I have to say, that show was absolutely spectacular. I, I had, you know, I have the Avantasia uh, albums at home because uh, they do one song, uh, Dying for an Angel, uh, with Klaus Mine of the Scorpions, and I'm a Scorpions completist, so I bought it and stuff, and, and great albums, great music, but never seen them live. If they come through your town, you absolutely have to go. It The show is stunning. Uh, also, during the interview, uh, Jeff talks very briefly about Queensryche, current Queensryche, and what's going up, and, and how he feels about that, but also... I want to take the time here to to talk about Queensryche and talk about Jeff, because if you look back at the discography and you look at what the band's doing now, you know, uh, a lot of people sort of dumped all over the band and Jeff and saying, well, Dedicated to Chaos is not this and American Soldier is not that and Tribe was wah, wah, wah. But okay, maybe that wasn't Empire, maybe that wasn't Operation Mindcrime, but, but let's look at the current band. You know, they put out uh, the self-titled Queensryche album in, in 2013, and everybody's like, oh my god, Todd Latour is fantastic, and and I do agree. Todd is fantastic. I, I'm not uh, here to, to, to dump all over current Queensryche, but they are down to two members, two original members. And when you look at other bands that are down to one member or two members, everybody says it's fake kiss, it's not really quiet riot, it's not really this, it's not and yet when we're talking about Queensryche, everybody's like, Oh my god, it's the greatest thing ever. Okay, uh, if you feel that way, but but let's look at this sort of objectively. If you look at Queensryche, uh, the the album, uh Condition Human that came out in twenty fifteen and The Verdict that came out in 2019. Are there actually songs on there? And, and by, by songs, I, I mean memorable tracks that in five years from now will stand up next to songs like Spreading the Disease or, or uh, Walking in Shadows or Silent Lucidity. Do these songs, do these, uh, sorry, do these albums actually have songs? And so that, that's what I'm going to ask you, fans. Uh, hit me up on my Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, and tell me which, which songs on these albums are memorable. Which, which, because, okay, they're fun albums to listen to at the time and at the moment, but are you going to, in 15 years, find a bunch of these songs on a Greatest Hits compilation? Is radio going to look back? Okay, now maybe that's a bad example because radio doesn't play Queensryche anyway, but you know what I mean? So there, there was a lot of gruff given to the final Jeff Tate era in, in Queensryche. 
but you know, objectively looking at the current queens, right? Yes, they perform the, the songs live, great. Yes, they're 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 heading back in the catalog and they're bringing stuff back from, you know, the early '80s and and there, absolutely no no question that live the band is absolutely phenomenal. I saw them at M3 a couple of years ago. Not, but does Condition Human have that one song that is an absolute must in the? Queensryche discography does the verdict have that one or two songs where you go holy that is as good as anything they've ever done so so listen let's reach out through the facebook page my my facebook page through um uh twitter and just at mitch lafond if if that helps and just say all right mitch you're wrong about this these three albums have a lot of lot of great hits because i i have to say i'm not so sure they're fun albums taken as albums but deconstruct them, and they probably have as many memorable songs as Dedicated to Chaos did, or as Tribe did, or as Q2K did. So, you know, folks are quick to condemn Jeff, but, he, he, you know, when you listen, for example, to this new Sweet Oblivion album, that, that's, that's the voice. And it is fantastic. God love that voice. And when you see him on tour with Avantasia, you get goosebumps. You, you literally get goosebumps. I mean, not as many goosebumps as watching Eric Martin come out and sing Maniac from the um, Flashdance movie. That's, that is titillating. That is just, that is quality entertainment. Um, anyway, listen, before we check out Jeff Tate, please do head over to at Mitch Lafon on Twitter. If you haven't done so already, please give it a follow. I'm, I'm hoping to get up to 20,000 followers by the end of uh, 2019. And also head over to loudtracks, L-O-U-D-T-R-A-X dot com, loudtracks dot com. And please, if you have a chance, um, you know, support the show by, by picking up a t-shirt. And again, I'll keep reminding you. The artwork for the t-shirt was done by Claudio Bergman, who did the co the uh, cover art for Judas Priest's Firepower. And uh, Loud Tracks, by the way, is part of Global Merchandising, which is the official supplier for Iron Maiden, for Priest, and for many, many, many other bands. So while you're over at Loud Tracks, and by the way, to find me, it's loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch. But while you're there, pick up an ACDC, ACDC. that's a new band. Uh, no, pick up an ACDC uh, shirt, an Iron Maiden shirt, a Judas Priest shirt, and whatever else, because whatever you're buying is officially licensed merchandise, and uh, you get it at, at a very, very friendly price. Loud Tracks has some of the best pricing I've seen. So anyway, there you go. And uh, perhaps you can pick up a Queensryche shirt and a Jeff Tate shirt. And uh, just to, to finish, to, to sort of loop around and finish my thought on, on Queensryche and Jeff Tate, support both bands. Support music. Um... You know, I'm not going to tell you to not go uh, see a show or not buy an album. Do support the bands, uh, support the show, support anything rock. You know, support all the, the rock websites too. Support your blabbermouths and your alternative nations and your uh, melodicrock.coms. Just support, 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 support. We're, we're, we're on a team here. We're, we're all in this together. So let's, uh, let's support our rock. And uh, without further ado, here is the one, uh, the only... La Voix Extraordinaire, 
Jeff Tate. We are speaking with uh, singer Jeff Tate. The new album is a Sweet Oblivion. Jeff, always, always a pleasure to uh, to have you on. How are you today? Uh, pretty good. I'm kind of recovered from my whirlwind long trip and uh, I'm kind of getting into the uh, American zone again because I've been out of the country for so long. And it's always an adjustment. It really is. Well, okay, so let me, let's start with that and then we'll get to Sweet Oblivion. I saw you here in Montreal on May 23rd with Avantasia and I had no expectations going into that show. I did not know what to, to was this going to be fantastic? And it was absolutely spectacular. And I have to say, uh, hats off also to Eric Martin, both of you just, you know, it, it was great. So talk to me a bit, just a little bit about that tour and what it sort of means to you uh, to be able to go out and not have to do the Queensryche songs and not have to do the solo out and just go be Jeff the singer for, for you know, a few months of touring. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely an interesting experience. Uh, for one, it's an international group of musicians. Uh, we had uh, Americans, uh, British, Portuguese, uh, German, uh, Norwegian, um, probably forgetting somebody, uh, uh, Danish. Yeah, it was a, a real interesting group of people. Uh, excellent, excellent, top-notch musicians and singers and to be able to perform every night with these uh, amazing players was just really a treat. And uh, I've played with some really great players in my life and, and uh, this one will go down in my memory as being one of the best experiences like that. It's just an amazing group of uh, people. It really is. And, and for us in Canada to, to be able to see Ronnie Atkins of Pretty Maids or Jorn Lande of Jorn, which we will never see generally because they don't sort of get over here ever. Uh, it, it was spectacular to have that experience. But uh, let us move over here quickly to uh, to Sweet Oblivion. Talk to me about that project in terms of your involvement was just just an album that was put together for you and you came and sang on it or was this something where it was really collaborative where you had a chance to give some ideas and and write the lyrics and and have musical input well one of the things that that i have to talk about with the album which is very different i suppose uh, because i mentioned it in another interview and and uh because i did people have been commenting on how odd it is because uh, the whole album was written, uh, conceived, and, and recorded without any of us ever being in the same room together. You know, it was all done in the virtual world of uh, modern, you know, 21st century recording, and uh, which was great. It was an amazing experience that was uh, very unique. And still to this day, I haven't met uh, Simone Molarani, who's the, the main uh, the main guitar player on the project. We still haven't actually spoken a word to each other. It's all been through email and through uh, texting, you know, back and forth. That's actually kind of amazing. Now, is that sort of is that sort of a new, exciting way to do things, or is that sort of disappointing that you can't be in the studio and look each other in the eye and sort of get a vibe going? Well, I think the, the looking each other in the eye vibe is way overplayed. <laughs> I think there's way too much uh, emphasis put on that. I don't think it's that important. In fact, I think it's a, kind of a distraction in a sense because um, it, it, with with this record, for example, and that's all, all I can ever really comment about it, is this particular experience. Um, there's no getting sidetracked or, or 
or a misinterpretation of somebody's meaning or um, you know it, different body language or weird customs or side glances that you can interpret you know in some way that slow you down or, or shape your your ideas. This is all just completely and utterly about the music, always about the music. And I found that to be incredibly refreshing, you know. It was all about the performance and, and getting the idea across rather than spending hours and hours chit-chatting about stuff that you always end up doing, you know. Yeah, but but I guess, but the hang is also kind of fun sometimes. But So where do, where, what does well, this mean? So, let's, let's, let's underline sometimes. Most of the time, it's a taxing ordeal where you can't wait to get out of the room. But sometimes the hang is okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so is this a a band that you see recording a second and third album, or is this really sort of a one-off project and you were just grateful to be involved? And now I move on to my next thing. Well, you know, I've, I've learned never say never, Mitch. <laughs> um, it could prove that we do another thing. I don't know. It could prove that, uh, you know, we're all inspired to uh, come up with another project. I don't know. At, at the at the moment, I don't really have a, a plan for that. Um, I'm completely uh, obsessed with my my own material and, and uh, working, I'm again, on tour with Avitation this, uh, this summer, hitting all the European festivals. So... I have a lot of material that I've been writing over the last year or two that uh, I want to release in some format or the other that uh, I need to finish up. And I think I'm going to do that this summer as I'm in Europe most of the summer. I'm just going to think my wife and I were going to rent a house in France and just kind of move in over the summer and then I'll work on the record there and then fly off to the, the festival dates as they happen because they're, they're so sporadic. Like you'll do one festival date and then have four days off, and you'll do two festival dates and have six days off, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that could, that could get a little costly flying back and from uh, to and from Seattle, but you had said recently in an interview, or it was reported, that you had no plans on recording new material for the foreseeable future because you did want to concentrate on Avantasia and this touring. So now you're sort of telling me something different. What is sort of the plan then for, for new music other than maybe recording in June? Is it to get something out this year? Is it just to lay down some demos and we'll get back to them in, in 2020? Where do you sort of see new music going? Well, I have uh, a lot of stuff and um, I don't know how I'm going to release it. You know, if it's is it going to be an album? Is it going to be two albums? Is it going to be uh, released as individual tracks? That, that's sort of sounding a lot more attractive to me nowadays rather than trying to make a record, you know, a, a full album of stuff. Um, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting ways of doing things now. There's no, uh, you know, there's no rules anymore. So uh, it's really about what you want and how you want to go about doing it, you know. It's a brave new world. It is a brave new world. So where are you in the creative space? Are you looking back at what you've done, uh, you know, back in the 80s? Because you've, you've been doing the Operation Mindcrime tour. Do you want to go back to that sort of sound? Or are you in a creative space where you want to change and, and explore new sounds? New music for you these days is, is what? It's sort of do what the fans expect or just do whatever Jeff wants to do? 
Well, I wish I could do what the fans expect, but I have no clue what that is. <laughs> Honestly, I can't get a straight answer out of anybody because everybody describes music so differently. You know, they have different feelings about music and have different experiences with music. And so I, I kind of, I guess I go with what I like, what's interesting to me at the time, you know. The uh, the album The New Reality that came out in 2017, you had described it at the time as being the, the third part or the final part of this Operation Mindcrime trilogy. Is that uh-huh. is that band still active and will you make new music or was that really no? The New Reality is a point final and we're done and now it's just going to be Jeff Tate's solo. Gosh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have answers. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's something that I, I completed the project that I had envisioned and that I had planned with the three albums. Uh, is there something else to say with regard to that? I, I, at the moment, I can't think of what that would be. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, two years down the road, I don't release something under that name again. I, I just don't know. I don't have a, a solid, uh, you know, uh, a solid game plan, you know, at this, at this moment, I guess I could never release any music again, be just fine, but, uh, I just enjoy it. You know, I enjoy writing and I enjoy, you know, putting new music out and, um, I, I love playing it too. So, you know, I am a slave to what I do. I actually like this sort of game plan that that you have no game plan because it's going to be very organic and that'll be kind of that'll be good. Now you you do have some Operation Mind Crimes uh, dates coming up here in June that you're going to finish off with. Is that something where also we're we're done with this? We're done doing those songs and the future is something different, or do you want to revisit this album in, in two years' time, in three years' time? I mean, will will the Operation Mind Crime album well, ever die for you? <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't. Uh, and honestly, it's it's very flattering and uh, humbling that people still want to hear the album performed, you know, in its entirety 30 years after it was released. And, uh, I pinch myself every time I, I get it a uh, an offer from a promoter that, that wants that, you know, in fact, I was, I'd finished all the dates, um, for the 30 year anniversary uh, tour of operation Mind crime, uh, in December of 2018. And I'd already been, I'd done 19 countries. And, uh, so I thought, okay, well, that's, it's finished now. Um, and start to think in other ways and doing other things. And then I get calls from promoters who, who want the album again. You know, they want they want a show, and uh, so that there we have two more weeks of the uh, of the tour happening in June on the east coast of uh, America. And I think that's the end of it. I think so. It, it, but it is amazing though that people just don't tire of it. I mean, I, I could go watch you, you know do watch you do two years of this, and and I'd be fine showing up every night just hearing those songs. It's did did you think that that album would have such an impact, or does it still sort of surprise you where when you step out on stage and the fans go crazy? Oh, it's always surprising to me. Yeah, it's it's surprising to me how many people that album has affected and in, 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 in what ways too, you know. And uh, no, I, I don't think any of us in the band had a clue that it was going to have the effect it has had. And 
I, what's interesting to me is I hear people in, in politics who are, were fans of the album and say that, you know, when they were young, that, that album was the first uh, thing that grabbed them about politics and about, just, you know, implementing social change and feeling a commitment to your community and, and that kind of thing. They got it through uh, the Operation Mindcrime album, you know, which is, uh, was, is incredible to think about, really. But the themes on that record are kind of timeless, you know, the, the haves against the have-nots and the, the powerful and how they manipulate uh, the not powerful and, you know, the love story between Nikki and Mary is a, is a classic themes that you find throughout human literature, you know, and, and that, and I think that's another reason why uh, it touched a chord with, with an audience as well. Plus it's, you know, catchy songs. You certainly can't uh, debate that. Let me just uh, quickly ask you about over the last few years, with Operation Mindcrime, the band, and and with Avantasia, and of course with Sweet Oblivion, you've had a chance to work with all kinds of different musicians. As an artist, what, what does that bring to you to be able to see different approaches to music, different approaches to songwriting, different approaches to vocal styles? Is that something that you take in and you go, oh yeah, I'm going to put that in, into my practice? Or are you more of the kind that just likes Jeff's vision, and if everybody could just do what Jeff does, we'd all get along better. <laughs> uh, well, in some ways, uh, in some ways, I, I like to have uh, what I have in mind uh, carried out. Uh, and in other ways, I like the collaboration too. Uh, I, I mean, I spent thirty years collaborating with the same group of people, you know, and and uh, which was really. Amazing! I think we we came up with some uh, really really cool material, uh, but also it's on the other flip side of the coin. It's been really amazing and refreshing to play with uh, all these different players and, and people that are excellent at what they do. And in regards to Avantasia, walking out every night with these amazing singers who who lay it down every night. I mean, there's not a flaw in any of the shows ever with these guys, you know, they take it very seriously. And it's, it's a, a little bit uncomfortable for me in a way, because I'm not a sports guy at all. I don't like competition and that sports mentality surrounding music at all. But there's a little bit of that with these guys, you know, they're, there's, there's a little bit of one upmanship going, you know, if somebody starts, you know, changing the, uh, the uh, the melody, adding a scale, and the other guy goes, oh, I can do that too, and they start sparring back and forth, you know. I think it's a healthy thing, that what they're doing, but uh, it's, it's a different mindset for me, you know. I've had to wrap my head around that. It's been kind of, kind of an ordeal. <laughs> I can imagine, and and I, I can imagine it's got to be somewhat trying to be with Eric Martin every night, with his, with all his stories, right? I, no, he's great. I love Eric. Oh, my God. Eric is a... Is a <laughs> Uh, Chinese chicken salad, right? <laughs> Has he told you the Chinese chicken salad story? I've heard. I thought I've heard every every story there there is from Eric Martin because I've spent a lot of time with him. Uh, he and Ronnie and myself, Bob Catley from Magnum and Yorn, uh, we have spent a lot of time trading stories back and forth. And probably the the most challenging thing about an Avantasia show, from a performance standpoint, is trying to stay sober. Honestly, because we have all this incredible wine backstage, right? And we have, you know, sometimes an hour 
and a half before you do your song. So you're, you're waiting, you're waiting and you're telling stories and having a great time. And before you know it, you know, the, the fourth bottle of wine is open. <laughs> you know? Then you got to go out on stage and, and perform, you know? So yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, it takes professionality to make it happen, I tell you. <laughs> Actually, let me ask you just quickly about that in terms of how do you prepare yourself for a show? Because at the Montreal show, I was talking with Eric Martin backstage and he's like, oh, hey, I got to go. I've got to go sing a song now. And and so the show had started and he was like, oh, wait, I got to go. Uh, how is that for you to, to not, you know, and I'm, I know we were talking about sports analogy of sports before, but do you get yourself into a zone for a Queensryche show back in the day or for an Operation Mindcrime? And how is this one where you're sort of in for a little bit and out for a little bit and in for – how do you approach that in terms of performance? Yeah, it's it's difficult, actually. It took me a bit to uh, get into the mentality of that with, with the Avantasia shows, especially because, yeah, I, I tend to build up, you know, myself mentally and physically before the performance – in my own shows. And, uh, in this particular show, the show begins and an hour later I come out, you know? So, uh, I have to be up to running speed when I come out there and these guys have already been playing an hour and they're all warmed up and sweating and, you know, they're, they're in the zone and I got to catch up, you know? So I found that the first few shows, I, I, I didn't feel like I was up to their level, you know, when I went out, and so I started starting the show with them and I just stand on the side of the stage and I just sing along to all the songs and, and, uh, get myself, you know, in the zone and worked up and kind of warm up as I was, uh, there already, you know, and, and that way when it was my turn, uh, I, I would be at that performance level that the band was already, you know, and that seemed to work really well. I started doing that about a week into the tour. So, so let me ask you this then from a, a vocal performance or a vocal perspective is there a danger that your vocal cords get cold and that you could somehow injure them i mean i know it sounds sort of pedestrian to ask but are you concerned about you know could you come out and sing like a mother is it challenging right to 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 to, you know physically yeah it's very challenging that that whole set of songs was the avantasia show is incredibly challenging for a singer of any capability, you know. I mean, you have to be on your game to, to sing that stuff. It's all very strenuous. It's up high in the high registers, and um, and the fans know it inside and out, so they're expecting it to be sung, you know, like it is on the record, you know. So you gotta, you really got to get up for it. But, you know, I, I've never been one of these guys, singers, that, like, wears the scarf, you know, and wrapping my myself in a scarf and, you know, always concerned about my throat and all that kind of thing. I always thought that was, uh, well, it's just not me. You know, I don't, I don't like that kind of thing. I just go for it. You know, I try to stay in good shape. I try to work out every day and, you know, run and uh, on a treadmill, go to the gym, you know, limit my drinking. Although I do like to drink, I like to kind of keep it in check, you know, when I'm on tour, but, uh, Luckily, I don't have any problems. You know, I'm pretty strong. Incredibly strong. So, so there's no uh, tea and honey and and uh, vapor room before. No. <laughs> no, none of that stuff. That's just garbage. It's a little, it's a little too <laughs> prima donna. Um, now that's for the that's that's for the weak, Mitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. 
Well, or, or the prima donnas, but okay. So, listen, I've, I've <laughs> usually when we do interviews, I don't ask you about Queen's Rack out of respect, but as a fan, I've seen them whittle down to sort of you know a, a member and a half now. When you look at that from your perspective, and and you see that Scott's gone, and 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 they don't want to admit that he's gone, and you had this huge fight to get the name, and now, well. <laughs> Does that bother you, or do you do you even care at this point? Uh, as time goes on, I care less and less. And um, I, you know, the old saying, you know, you make your bed. Well, they kind of did, and they, you know, reaped the uh, reaped the whirlwind, and uh, they bet on the wrong horse, you know. And there's nothing I can do about it at this point. You know, I'm, I'm kind of out of the game with those guys, and uh, it is a tragedy to see how they've kind of well, how they've taken a hatchet, you know, to the the whole thing. And uh, very sad, very sad. But, you know, life goes on, and I think we had 30 good years of uh, really strong material and, uh, you know, a lot of amazing tours, and and uh, I'm very proud of that. And, 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 and you should be. And anyway, l- l- let me get off of that, and then and I'll, finish, uh, I'll finish with a couple of local questions. You spent a, a lot of time in, or you spent time in Montreal back in the day. Um, yeah. Talk to me about about the city and what attracted you to come to Montreal. Because as a reporter and as somebody who lives here, I've always found that we have a, a very distinct culture and a very distinct musical approach and especially a culinary approach and, and that there's something not American and not Toronto but it's also not Paris, France. How, how, what, what attracted you here, and, and what did you sort of take from it? Well, it is a unique city, very unique, and uh, it's quite a bit different now than it was back in the uh, mid to early 80s. Back then, there was a lot of civil unrest, and uh, it was dangerous. There was a huge uh, drug cartel that operated out of Montreal, and uh, there was a you know, the separatist movement was in full swing. And that's what got me, you know. Uh, there I was sitting at this little dive bar, um, Rue Saint-Denis, and this le, whole... Le Saint-Sulpice. The Saint-Sulpice, yeah. This, and this whole scene was happening around me that I, I, I was influenced by and... Uh, you know, wrote about and which became the, the background story of Operation Mindcrime. And at that time, what was appealing to me was just that the, the, the cultural unrest was kind of intoxicating and I found it to be uh, pretty inspirational. But now, of course, you know, it's a it's a, a mega city that's celebrated around the world. Montreal is known for, for so many things and um, it, it's a different place now. You know, and I liked it. In fact, <laughs> just uh, when we were there with Avantasia, we had a day off and we were looking for something to eat. And uh, a bunch of us went to uh, uh, St. Denis and uh, looking for a restaurant. We ate at this little Italian restaurant that was directly across the street from uh, St. Sulpice. And uh, I was telling all the boys, you know, oh, this is where I wrote my crime and this was the place. And and uh, let's go in and check it out. So we, we went inside, and it's a sports bar now. <laughs> it's not even anything like what it was back then. You know, back then it was it was a bit of a scary place. You know, and now it's all gentrified, and they've got all the sports screens, and everybody's you know drinking beer and microbrews and 
craft beer and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they completely redid that city. I mean, that, that was the, the East End back in the day, and that was where all the scary people hung out. And now that's where all the upper middle class people go see just for laughs and, and have a glass of wine and, and check. Yeah, it's a very different, different vibe. But anyway, um, and then I'll finish with this. Uh, Sweet Oblivion, do you tour with Sweet Oblivion at any point and do at least one or two shows? Or is this really just... Hey, enjoy the albums, folks. And by the way, the album's great. I was listening to it before. It is phenomenal. Thank you. Well, you know, it was one of those things that just sort of happened organically. And uh, I'll never say never that we won't tour, but uh, it's not in my immediate plan. But uh, I think maybe if we ever get together to do another project together, uh, maybe after that project is released, maybe the touring makes more sense at that point, you know? I don't know. It, it just really depends. I, I wasn't really ex- expecting it to get as uh, many uh, pluses, you know, and, and admirers as it has, really. So I'm pleasantly surprised. Okay. Well, all right. I'm going to ask you about that, though, then. Do you think it's getting a lot of pluses because it sort of harkens back to sort of 1984 Queensryche, 19, you know, that early, early metalish Queensryche? Uh, with all the uh, fancy guitar stuff going on and the that kind of stuff yeah could be yeah it could be that you know that's a that's a thing that people are used to and it's kind of a comfort zone and honestly that's the thing that uh was attractive to me when i first heard uh some of the the music that uh simone came to me with was uh oh this this sounds like early queens it's it's a familiar sound and uh, a point of familiarity that we could we could bond with you know and bond to so, so, so we answered the question: What do fans want from Jeff Tate? Maybe, maybe it's that. Uh, anyway, oh, I got it figured out now. I got it figured out now. They want uh, they want upfront guitars that are playing very fast, and they want uh, classical uh, motifs. In, you know, based they want the music based in classical music only, and they want me singing uh, in the upper register, preferably an octave above middle C. Yeah, well, that's pretty much go. it. They, they, they want that's, that's the formula. They want <laughs> Jeff Tate October nineteen eighty four just to be on repeat forever. That's that's pretty much <laughs> no. But uh, anyway, uh, as we say in Mariala, toujours un plaisir, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you, sir, and uh, bring that Avantasia. Tell Tobias to bring that back because that was eye opening. I was invited to go see it, and I was like, all right, I'll go see this. You know, Jeff, Eric, it'll be fun. It was more than fun. It was like, whoa, this band is fantastic so yeah they are a great band and a great bunch of people i'm i have nothing but but accolades to to say about the whole organization it's fantastic yeah merci monsieur cheers okay well thank you jeff for the the interview i appreciate it man and, wait uh, you're jeff i'm mitch you you're jeff i'm oh, mitch. mitch i'm sorry i'm looking <laughs> <laughs> did i just call you my name you did oh god no, but that's okay now that I've hit 60, things are changing. <laughs> I'm going to need a teleprompter soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll need that on the, uh, on the dashboard so you can see the... Uh, the, the anyway, uh, as we say again, <laughs> merci, monsieur. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mitch. Take Cheers. care, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk.